welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin. I'm a transformation and human design guide who is passionate about guiding women to be the most authentic versions of themselves. This podcast is all about self-discovery, self-empowerment, wellness, healing, parenting, mental health, spirituality, you name it, we're going to talk about it. This podcast and this space is all about helping you along on your own self-project journey. So welcome. Let's sit back and we'll dive right in today. Okay, okay. Quick detour. Before we actually dive into the show today, I wanted to ask you a very important question. Do you feel like your current environment supports you? What do I mean by that? Think about the environment that you spend the most time in. Is it at home, at work, in the car? And is it set up in a way that's unique to you and in a way that's going to boost your mood and in a way that's going to make you feel really good and just really aligned? Did you even know that you have an ideal environment that is unique to you? Uh, We can find this information by looking at your human design chart. And then you get to come on over to my upcoming workshop to learn more about how you can organize your current environment just to help you thrive. You can get the link down in the show notes to come over and register and learn more about how not only for yourself can you create this environment, but also for your children for your partner, how you can create multiple environments for everybody to thrive within the same space. So I hope to see you over there. And now we're going to dive into our show today. Welcome back to the show, and I am really excited that we have got a treat on today. I have got both uh, Miriam Bulgewin and Ashley Jackson Thompson on the show today, and their stories are both incredible. So Miriam is helping caregivers who are having challenges in the areas of owning their well-being and time management and who are ready to have more me time and feel more at ease while they support their loved ones. And then Ashley runs uh, Timeless Dream events, and she provides terminally ill people and their family members with events that will celebrate life and love. So I am not going to speak too much longer because I'm really excited to dive into both of their stories, hear how they met, and just hear about this incredible work that they're doing. So I just want to take a moment to thank both of you for being here today. And I think first, I would love to turn it over to you, Miriam, to see if you just minded introducing yourself and just, you know, sharing, sharing your story. Thank you so much. First of all, we are so happy to be on your show. Um, I've been a caregiver for more than 20 years to both my husband and my brother, not at the same time. Um, but, um, I, I, um, it was, it was a tough ride. I experienced, I learned so many lessons while taking care of, um, these two gentlemen and my husband, he was a diabetic. He suffered from kidney failure in 2003. He had two major surgeries, kidney pancreas transplant surgeries, but besides 
those surgeries. He also had many eye surgeries, groin rupture, broke his ankle. We lost count. So um, <laughs> I rolled from one uh, surgery to the other with, together with him. And I always say, say we, because we did this together. But fast forward to today, both of these gentlemen are doing well. Thank God for that. And um, I, I, I can't wait to share what I experienced. And um, once again, thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh my gosh, of course. And I can't wait to dive more into hearing more about that. So, and Ashley, do you mind just uh, sharing a little bit more about yourself with us as well? Yes, absolutely. And thanks uh, for the platform. Uh, so excited to be able to share my story and caregiving journey alongside my sister, Miriam. And uh, it's quite funny how we came together, but I'll share that in a moment. Um, my name is Ashley Jackson, and I reside in Ohio with my lovely husband. And what makes it's so special is the fact that I didn't know if I was going to be able to get married to him. Uh, I've been caring for him for almost four years now. And back in January of 2017, he had proposed to me. And shortly thereafter, two and a half months later, he was diagnosed uh, with a rare cancer in stage four. So we got married, or excuse me, we got engaged, and then <laughs> he was given this diagnosis two and a half months later, so in March of 2017, and it was really devastating. You know, I'm not going to lie. I was 30 years old. I wasn't foreseen having to plan treatments and surgeries. I was thinking on planning my engagement party um, and having, you know, that time with my family and friends. But this is the the cards that we were dealt. So, you know, we hopped into the the treatment that the doctors planned out for us. And like Miriam said, you know, I use the the pronoun we because it's it really is a village. It takes a lot of support and understanding and love. And, you know, we see caregivers for who they are and what they do. And we just want to provide that support for them. Um, what makes Timeless Dream events so different and unique is that niche of terminally and chronically ill and their loved ones. I understand, I know what it is, how it is to plan a great event for and with someone that you're not sure if they're going to even make it there. Um, luckily, and we were blessed that Troy was able, my husband, to, to make it to our wedding date and we did get married. But I know not everyone has that luxury. So thank you again for having us and I can't wait to dive deeper. I can't wait either. So thank you for sharing with us. Um, I think that it's important to, you know, point out that this affects uh, probably many more people than we even realize, you know, we've, we marry, we partner up, we create our own little, you know, tribes and families and things like that. And we care for these people and we're here for these people and we're all, you know, 
we have a vision of how we want our life to go and what life's going to look like. And that, you know, I call it like the white picket fence and the, you know, (laughs) the two kids and the dogs in the house and whatever, we have this vision and life has another plan for us. Sometimes, you know, life just comes along and just kind of broadsides us. And, um, you know, and that's part of it because that's part of our journey and that's, that's part of what we're supposed to walk through. But what I, you know, what I love is that you, you guys took these situations where you got broadsided by life with these really hard, like, um, devastating events. I mean, we're dealing with like life and death. Like that's, you know, we're really at, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but we're really dealing with a very serious kind of topic there. One that, um, can make people uncomfortable, one that scares people. That's a very fearful topic for people. Um, and one that, you know, people don't just, there's a lot of, you know, insecurity around it, obviously, but, um, I, I just love that you guys are now taking your experiences and not, and now you're sharing with other people because this is so important. And I know that you both have probably went through so much and we're going to, like I said, dive more into that. But um, I just, I really hope that we can touch somebody with this because it affects more people than we know. Um, well, I would love to touch on really quick before we start diving in. How did you guys come together and meet now? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but what you just said, Christy, made me think of a conversation that I just had with my mother yesterday. And it's something that, that my pastor had mentioned to us about a week ago as well. Our society teaches people to live well, but it doesn't teach us to die well. And what I take from that is let's enjoy our lives that we have now because we don't we don't know when our last breath is. You, you, you honestly don't. And even though my husband had this diagnosis, I could still pass before him. You just don't know what life take where life will take you. So let's live well, but also know that it's okay to die well and leave your legacy, leave us your stamp in this world. That's what I take from that quote. But um, how Miriam and I met, uh, like how I met my husband, Facebook. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I just meet all kinds of friends on Facebook and family. Um, Miriam's my my sister. We instantly clicked. Uh, she found me via my Facebook uh, caregiver group that I admin. And once we uh, just started like posting and going back and forth and I'm like, she loves to, to read. She likes to journal. She likes to travel. You know, she like is everything that I ever had wanted in an older sister. And I mean, she flies that flag well. She will tell you in a heartbeat, she is 50 and fabulous, honey. So um, she, yeah, we just instantly clicked. And regardless of me being in Ohio, USA, and her being near Amsterdam, Netherlands, you can't tell me that we weren't separated at birth because I'm totally convinced we were. Um, (laughs) So that's how we met. And once we dive deeper into her caregiver advocacy, same with mine, we just 
we just said, let's start down this mission, down this road of sharing our stories because we've both cared for um, spouses and then her with her, her sibling. Why not go down this road and advocating for, for our fellow caregivers, telling them that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Sure, the journey may suck. We don't sugarcoat that part of it, but there is that Eden like we will get to the the end of the rainbow <laughs> um, at some point, but we can help you navigate away from burnout because we've both burnt out a couple times and it's not ever fun. So that's that's the really the the gist of how we met and how we how we've grown close, and it hasn't even been a year yet um, <laughs> since we've met each other. <laughs> It's only a couple of months now, but it feels like a lifetime, like we've known each other like forever. And um, I'm so happy you touched on that, Ashley. You know, we are very honest. And because we are very honest, sometimes people may feel kind of uncomfortable, but you have to be uncomfortable to be to be comfortable. Sorry. And um, when we tell our stories, we are honest um, because that's the truth. It's our story, that's the truth. And we often say, um, don't be like us. Be like us when you move from the darkness to the light, but don't be like us when you feel like you're wearing your superhero cape. And with this, we mean, we thought that we could do anything, everything. We could be the cook, the driver, the cleaner, the caregiver, you know, everything. And asking for help was a big issue for both of us because we thought, mm, maybe they will think I'm weak. Maybe, maybe they will think I can't handle the situation. Maybe they will think I can take care of my husband. It was so wrong. We thought wrong. And I was surprised to see how willing people were. They offered help. So that's something I teach. I forgot to mention this in the beginning. That's something I teach my caregiving clients. Asking for help, it's okay. It's a must. Self-care is okay. It's not selfish. It's a must. Scheduling, it's a must. There are so many things you can do to make time for yourself. I don't say take time, make time for yourself. Own your well-being. Because I remember the conversation I had, Christy, with a social worker after my husband, Martin, had his first kidney transplant um, surgery, um, kidney pancreas transplant surgery, sorry. He was uh, finally doing well. And to give you an idea what my day looked like, uh, I woke up at 5.30, started at the office at uh, 7.30, um, worked until 3, 4 p.m., went home, and then went to the hospital, which was 50 minutes one way 
stayed with him until 9, 10 p.m. in the hospital, came back home, checked mail, did some household. So before I went to bed, it was 12, maybe 12.30 in the morning. Um, and then the next morning after a couple of hours started. And this went on for weeks, maybe months, because he, he stayed in the hospital for quite some time. And when we had a <clears throat> conversation with a social worker and she asked him how he was doing, of course, he said, well, I am so happy. Uh, I'm feeling a bit better. I'm doing better. I'm busy with my recovery. And then she turned to me and said, Miriam, how are you doing? <laughs> I cried for 15 minutes. I sobbed because of the heaviness that was on my shoulders. And I was so mad at myself and the lady <laughs> because of the question she asked me. I didn't want Martin to see me like this. I was the superhero and superheroes don't cry, right? So when I got home after this all happened, I, I looked in the mirror and I said, Miriam, lady, sis, listen, what are you gonna do for you? And I couldn't answer. I said, what are you going to do for you? What will happen to Martin if something bad happens to you? Do you wanna go on like this? And I started crying again. And that's when I decided, I, I'm still getting goosebumps again. And that's when I decided, mm -mm, I have to do something. I have to do something to get out of this mess. I am my own rescue. And that's when I started thinking about techniques, tools, what, what can I do? Okay, if I ask uh, this person to drive me to the hospital, then I can just sit and relax. Or if I ask that person to cook for me, then I can do something I enjoy, maybe read a book or, you know. So that's how I started using some techniques, tools, try, trying new things. It wasn't easy. It didn't go overnight. Because when Martin was finally home and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a nice long hot shower, I couldn't enjoy it. <laughs> because I was constantly thinking, oh, what is he doing right now? Is he okay? I was too worried. I was too busy taking care, care of him. So okay. all of those, I'm sorry, Siri, all of these things, all of these tools and techniques, I try to teach my clients. I, it's not trying, I teach my clients. You know, my journey is not Ashley's journey. It's not your journey. It's not another caregiver's journey, but the struggles are the same. So that's only a part, just a tiny part of my story. Because when Martin was finally doing well, in 2012, I was at the office. I got a phone call. Martin called me, you have to call your brother right now. I said, what's wrong? No time to explain, Miriam, please call your brother. And I called my brother and he was talking strange. He had a stroke while I had him on the phone. 
So I called the paramedics, went to his apartment, and when I arrived there, <laughs> Christy, I, the only thing I could think of was, okay, when is the funeral? He was 46 years, partially paralyzed, didn't know the names of his children. The only thing he knew was that I was his sister and he couldn't talk, he couldn't walk. He doesn't remember the first two weeks when he was in the hospital. And there was a certain time after weeks uh, of recovery in the hospital that I had to shower my brother. Imagine a grown man you're related to. You've never seen him in his full glory and you have to shower him. When I asked him, because they could only shower him once a week, they could fresh him up every day. And the nurses, they, they did as much as they could in the short amount of time they had. So when I asked him, bro, can I shower you? Because the nurses can only shower you once a week. He shied away and he mumbled something because he couldn't talk. And I was embarrassed as, as well, but at the same time, I thought, no, no way. I'm not gonna let embarrassment win from me. His hygiene is top priority. So I explained, I, I told him, listen, I know that if I shower you every day, you will recover sooner. So he said, okay, let's do it. But it wasn't easy. It's, it's totally different taking care of your husband and taking care of, you, of a sibling. Especially when it comes to showering, seeing private parts. But it was necessary. And three months later, he started walking and talking again. We didn't give up hope and not giving up and a lot of love. A lot of acts of just pure love. That's incredible, Miriam. Um, I feel like you brought up so many important points and I really love that you brought up that um, the dynamics were different. You know, like you said, caring for a husband or a partner or spouse is totally different than having to care for a sibling. Like I, I, um, I couldn't even imagine, but I can see where there would be, you know, those distinct differences that you would have to work through for both of you, you know, like you said, being uncomfortable for both of you. But I love that you said that, um, like, this is what you, you knew you had to do it for his healing, you know, like you knew, but we, we have to do this. Um, so, you know, what I really want to touch back on too is, um, and I'm assuming Ashley a lot, This, you know, I think that you mentioned this, Miriam, that it was hard for both of you to ask for help. And I, I think that, that we see that in all aspects of our life. I think about, you know, my situation's different. I have my children, but it's, I, I just think about that. And it's so hard to ask for help with that too, because like you said, it feels like we, we want to have 
you know, we want to feel like we're able to do it all and be able to not burden other people. I think that's part of it too. We don't want to be a burden to other people. We don't want to, like you said, seem like we can't handle it or just all these things coming in. Um, so I, I really love that you bring the importance of, we have to ask for help. Um, how did you start, um, you know, you shared the little ways that you started with that, but how did you overcome kind of that fear of asking for help? Like what? Um, what I did, you know, the mirror is, um, I love the mirror. I love the person that I see in the mirror. Um, I can't lie anymore to that person I see in the mirror. And I was, I was in doubt. Like I told you before, it didn't happen overnight. So what I did is, um, first of all, I wrote my favorite affirmation on a piece of paper. I am worthy of a wonderful life too. And I looked at it. Whenever I thought, no, I can do this, I can do this. And then I looked at the paper, I still do. And I said, read it out loud because if I read it out loud, I hear it. I am worthy of a wonderful life too. And, you know, this gave me so much power to pick up the phone and call someone. Like, hey, um, I need your help. Uh, can you please help me with this and this? And it's okay if you don't have time, but I'm just asking for help. And nine of the 10 times it was, oh yes, of course, what do you need? Even my neighbors, medical professionals, family, friends, even in the supermarket. Hey, could you, could you please help me? I can get um, this and this. Could you please help me with this? It's okay. Now I'm used to it. But that's how I started my affirmation, looking in the mirror, asking myself questions. What will happen to your loved one if something happens to you? Do you love yourself? Was one of my questions as well. Do you love yourself? Oh, yes. Okay. Name me two things you do to show that in 15 seconds. Oops. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for that. I know I was thinking that too. I'm like, what would I say right now? But that's really good. Um, you know, a question kind of popped up for me. Do either of you ever deal with uh, resentment, a feeling of resentment towards your partner? I would love to hear a little more on that. Um, I wouldn't say resentment. I think Ashley and I are both on the same page. Um, of course, we were mad, angry sometimes, but not at him, but at the disease. Mm. But that took a while for me to understand. And... That's um, a part of that is what led to me bottling up a lot of anxiety um, because of all the things that come with being a caregiver, plus being the sole breadwinner, uh, pl 
And then on top of that, the cream, on t- <laughs> the icing on top of that was that I'm planning a wedding for someone that might not even, I have no guarantees and not to be pessimist, pessimistic, but that's, that was our reality. I didn't want to postpone the wedding because he asked me not to. And, you know, I was mad a lot, you know, (laughs) so, uh, but it took me a while to understand that it wasn't necessarily, I didn't resent him. I, I came to the realization that it was his body. I was mad at his body. I was mad at the cancer. You know, I just a couple weeks ago, I wrote a really nasty letter to cancer in the parking lot at a grocery store. Something just came over me and I I sat there for about 30 minutes and just wrote a really nasty letter to cancer and just asked it, why? Why? Why did you choose him? Why did you have to come into our lives? We were doing just fine. So I, I like that question. I like when people ask me that because maybe we can shift someone's mindset and help them. Because when you when you feel like you're resenting someone, then you want to keep that bottled in because you're like, oh well, I don't want I don't want to share that. People might think I'm being mean. But it's I think nine times out of ten, it's not really resenting the person, it's the disease. Yeah, and, and I would like to add something. Um, it's, it's true what Ashley is saying, um, being mad at the disease. And what also helped me is to understand that um, he didn't ask to be in the situation. And that really helped me. Um, Martin had many times that his blood sugar was too low. And then he, he, he simply didn't know what he was doing. And it sometimes happened um, at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning in his sleep. And then um, I remember one night I came and I tried to give him some sugar it was in a, a small sugar bag and the sugar was all over the bed because before I even knew it, <laughs> he, um, anyways, the sugar was all over the bed and I had to work. Um, I had to start at work early that morning, 7 a.m. I think, but he didn't ask to be in that situation. And that really helped me while feeling that I got angry or, you know, like, ah, why now? Why, why is this happening? I don't have time for this. So it wasn't easy. <laughs> it was awful. I can imagine. I'm really thankful that you both took the time to kind of share. And I like how you said, Ashley, um, if you can help shift somebody's perspective, because, um, You know, I feel like we talk about the seven stages of grief and I think that it can apply to more than just like, uh, like actual loss, like death, it can apply to many different situations in our lives. So, you know, with these diagnoses, you're going through those different stages, denial, bargaining, anger, all of the, you know, different, the different emotions and frequencies that come along with that. So I know that, um, 
you know, we can just fluctuate through these spaces where, like you said, we're really angry. And so maybe it's at cancer, but we're reflecting it to our partner and they're, they're the ones that are in front of us that we could be mad and resentful towards. So sometimes that's just all we know how to do. So I love how you said, Ashley, like if we could shift the perspective that it's not the person, but we're mad at the situation and like, it sucks. It sucks. We don't want to be in this, but like you said, it's not their fault. It's not your fault. Like, how are we going to move through this? So I really love that you like distinguish that, that, yeah, you're resentful, but let's look at it. And I like how you brought up the, the difference in, in uh, grieving, you know, I've lost, it'll be 10 years in September this year for me. I lost my dad suddenly. So I've had that great loss Uh, like the physical, like just gone. But then with my husband, it's a whole different type of loss and grief that we've, and frankly, still working through, (laughs) Um, you know, because of the treatments, because of the surgeries, he is forever physically altered because of where the tumor was. And he's had to work through his own loss and grief. And then so do I, because of everything that you go through. And I know Miriam, sure, uh, you know, with, with her husband and brother can, um, relate to this. It's just the future that you thought you were going to have is gone. So now we have a whole new future, but sometimes I mourn that future that I thought we were going to have. Because like I said earlier, I was like planning an engagement party. Like, where are we going to celebrate our, because everything with celebrations, we we have to have a party or go somewhere with, with us. Like we just have, that's how we are. But, (laughs) you know, I'm planning like, where are we going to go to celebrate that we got engaged and all that stuff went out the door completely. And this was our new normal. I'm planning a wedding from a chair in the hospital sitting next to my husband, who's getting treatment for eight hours. That was my normal. That was not supposed to be my normal, but this was my new normal. So, and I don't think people do a good job of stepping back and realizing that for themselves. Like this is a loss too, and you can grieve it and it's okay. It's not selfish. I've come to that realization. Dang it. I lost out on the on the future that I was supposed to have with Troy. I'm loving that he's here and that we have a future, but dang it, I'm still sad that we missed out on the future that we were supposed to have in my mind. Such such powerful words. Um, I could just feel I have goosebumps over here. So <laughs> I just sort of tell you that because it's it's so true. Um, you know, exactly what you're saying. You had this plan. And so you're mourning that you're thankful. You're, you're super thankful. You have him, like you guys have this new future you can plan, but there's still that piece of you. So I love that we're talking about this because too often we would shove that down or maybe shame that and be like, Oh, I shouldn't bring that up. I should just be thankful that, you know, he's here and we get to be together and we have this, you know, peace that we have at all. And so we shove it away and we don't give acknowledgement to it because it's there. It needs to be acknowledged. So what I, um, 
kind of love that you're doing. So actually when you help, um, you know, people put these events together, I feel like besides just like planning the event, I feel like you're probably really able to, uh, kind of walk them through it emotionally too. Like you said, you're really excited. You're planning a wedding and then you get this diagnosis and it's probably like the wedding's like the last thing that you probably, you're like, I don't care what, whatever dress, like, I don't give a shit, like whatever, you know? So I, I can't, I, I would love to know, like, um, you know, do you kind of incorporate working with them on that aspect too, as you're actually planning an event, but you're working through that stuff that's coming up? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it's hard because I've been there, right? So, you know, I've I've done a celebration of life uh, and where it, it was actually for my father-in-law. My mother-in-law asked me to to just please just do this because I, I can't eat. I'm not in the headspace to even deal with it right now. Um, I'm trying to grieve. I don't want to plan this ceremony, you know? So I was just there to listen because that's what she needed at that time. And just being there to, to help them figure out the best thing for them and what that means for that particular, you know, person and family. And being their sounding board when, when they can't find their own voice. That's the best way I can describe it. I love that from somebody who, like you said, you've, you've been there. What are some of the events that you've done? You said you've done um, an end of life celebration. You've done your own wedding. What are some of the different events that, that people have asked you to put together? Yeah. So it's mainly been weddings (laughs) and then, yeah, celebration of life. Um, And you know, a lot of people will read my story and they'll reach out to me and they say like, I read your story. I'm really excited about, you know, your husband doing well. I'm not necessarily, you know, ill, but can you like help me? I love your story. I love your platform. Can, can you do my wedding? And I'm like, well, of course, like, I'm not going to turn people away, but it's just, it just adds that, that desire and burn to my, my business, my purpose filled business. Like I'm doing something right. Um, you know, I've had people come to me that, uh, actually one of my brides coming up their uh, fiance's father's not doing well. So in reality, they wanted to wait another year, even possibly another two years, but they just don't foresee that being able to work. So, um, you know, they're like, we need to do this now. Uh, it's just been so beautiful to hear the different stories that people, you know, have come to me with and just being there to talk them through. Sometimes <laughs> I like to say I'm, I'm helping people kind of take their, you know, a step back and just breathing because sometimes that's all all you need, especially we as women, you know, most of the time I'm dealing with the bride to be and just like, Hey, take a step back, breathe. Cause I know you're full-time working. You might have kids that you're taking care of. You got to go to the gym. 
drink all the water? Uh, did you meditate and pray today? Like all the things we have to do all the things every day. So just, this is what you called upon my services for. Let me take this part off of your plate. And I know I had one person ask, well, can you take, can you do this too? <laughs> like, since, since you're here, can you just take, I need you to do this as well. I'm like, well, that's not exactly the part of my services, but I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I love that. So, wait a minute. Yeah. What else do you do? Um, I can't babysit your kids, but, um, <laughs> but just, yeah, like I said, just being there as a sounding board, sometimes I feel like maybe I should go get my license to practice there, you know, being a therapist. I don't know. Um, but yeah, all jokes aside, being there for them in that moment, um, that can be so happy, but yet you feel you almost feel ashamed for being happy in your moment where you're also dealing with the, the eventual death of someone. Uh, so there's that double-edged sword. Um, but I meet people, like I said, I meet people where they're at with that. So I'm sorry. And, you know, Ashley and Christy, there was a time when we were in a bad situation as well. So that's why I enjoy life to the max every single day. When I wake up, I pray and then I meditate 10 minutes. Then I take a shower and while enjoying my breakfast, I journal for three to five minutes, whatever comes to my mind. That's how I start my day. Easy going. And I am the journaling because I get to start the day with one positive thought every single day and it really helps me it calms me and before I go to bed I meditate for 10 minutes and uh, um, if I don't do this you know when you forget to brush your teeth that's how it feels <laughs> it's a habit and um, this is one of my techniques I learned after I burned out. I love that. I feel like that's similar to the same thing that I do. I start and I end my day with me. That's what I like to say. Like you say, just a quick little, like a meditation, a stretch, like sometimes I'll stretch, like, you know, maybe I'll read, whatever it is. I start and I end my day with me. So I, I love that. I think everybody should do that. Um, pour into you first and pour into you last. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, sometimes even breathing for five to 10 minutes, breathing exercise to help me just to, just to calm anything. And Ashley and I always talk about it that people ask us, oh, what, what, what is self-care for you? Yeah, self-care is doing something I love. Even if it's for listening to an audiobook for 15 minutes, doing breathing techniques, or Ashley has a favorite thing. <laughs> she does her self-care uh, driving moment. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, tell me. Tell me because I love music. Yes. Music. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I I will um, go into my car 
it's usually like me trying to hide from the world. Um, go in my car, listen to whatever I want to. It can be anything from Tupac to Kirk Franklin to, I don't know, Britney Spears, whatever my mood is that day. And sometimes I drive, sometimes I just sit in my driveway. I've gotten so into my music at one point I ended up in a bakery like 40 minutes away from my house and I said well since I'm here I might as well just go in and get some baked goods you know double treat yourself so you know it self-care can look different for everybody my self-care is going to be different than Miriam's than yours Christy you just got to find what works for you you know it's not cookie cutter like oh my god we're going to a spa day today I mean great if you can do that but it doesn't have to be that way. It's the little pieces of joy that you find. Like like you said, Christy, you start your day and you end your day with you and whatever that looks like for you. Absolutely. And I love that you bring up that like self-care can look different for everybody because for so long, I thought that it had to look like I have to meditate. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I was like, I hate doing all these things. So I love that it's just, what do you love to do? And giving yourself that, you know, today it was that I got to take a shower. That was my self-care today. I got to take a shower where the kids were like, nobody was awake yet, (laughs) you know? So sometimes that's all it is. So I just, I'm really loving this message um, that, you know, we've touched on making sure that you get that self-care, you get that me time, making sure that you're asking for help. These are all the tips that Miriam's left us with making sure that if you are, um, I love that Ashley brought up, you know, like she specifically does events. If you are doing an event, you call Ashley, but also, you know, like she said, if she doesn't babysit, but you know what I mean? Like finding that, do you need somebody to babysit? Do you need somebody to help you with meals? Do you need somebody to come in and like help you just with like housework, laundry, like whatever it is, you know, finding, finding that person that can help you. And I love that many times both of you have brought both brought up the point that like, um, you've asked somebody, like you've asked a neighbor, you asked a friend and they were just like, yes, we'll help you. So often too, I found this too, but you ask somebody for their help and they're more than willing to like jump. People want to help you. People are just almost waiting for you to ask um, to help. And we're just so scared to reach out and be a burden or to look like we don't have it together or all these things that we've touched on. So I just, I can't even tell you how important it is. All the things that we've, we've brought upon today, because being a caregiver, um, is, is just, um, can be, a drain on you if you let it, you know what I mean? If you take that perspective, if you let it be that inner, if you're not pouring into yourself, you're not caring for yourself and you're not aware of these things, it can absolutely just, you know, totally drain you. So I I love that you guys are bringing awareness to this. Um, I really would love to talk about Miriam. Um, You mentioned, and hopefully it's okay to mention this. If not, we'll edit it out. But you mentioned that you're both writing books that I, I would love um, if you're ready to like talk about that, just share a little more, tell us when those are going to drop and, um, just tell us what they're going to be like, what they're going to be about and how, who they're targeting and how, you know, that stuff. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny. And first of all, I never thought that I would write a book until last August, August 2020, I talked to a friend and um, she lives in uh, New York. 
And we tried to schedule a meet and greet Zoom meeting for months. And finally, the beginning of August, we were able to talk, just meet and greet. And she said, oh, okay, I am uh, Sarah. I said, hey, I'm Miriam. And I said, okay, tell me a bit about you. And so she told me a bit about her. And finally she said, okay, but I, I would like, like to know who's Miriam. And I started talking about Miriam and I shared my story and I was so busy talking. So I didn't pay attention to my screen. And when I looked at my screen, I saw that she was in tears and I apologized. I said, oh my gosh, it wasn't my intention to make you cry. I'm so sorry. And she said, and I said, maybe I should write a book. And she said, okay, this is exactly what I wanted to ask you. Why don't you write a book? And I said, nah, me writing a book? You're kidding me. No way. No, please think about it, she said. And two weeks later, on August 22nd, I started writing a book about my caregiver's journey and how I got out of the darkness, how I pulled myself out of the darkness. And the chapters of my book are, are the modules of my six week live online program. So I, I recently launched the six week online program and the launch date of my book is June 10th of this year. So that's 10 more weeks. I'm so excited, but at the same time, I'm like, ooh, my book <laughs> will be published on June 10th. Um, but I can't wait because what I've experienced now, all the interviews uh, Ashley and I are doing right now, we do see that our story touches many people, non-caregivers and caregivers. And it's so necessary that the world knows what caregivers go through. It's hard. But Ashley and I, we always say there is light at the end of the tunnel. But are you willing to go to that light? We can help you with maybe 60%. But the other 40%, you have to do yourself. But we can help you with a lot of things to get over there. So I'm so excited about the book. Caregiver 2.0, From Burnout to Powerhouse. I love that. Available June 10th. Um, I just think that that's so cool. And you started at the 22nd of this, just this last August. That's incredible, yeah. Marianne. That's incredible. I announced like a couple months ago, I'm going to write a book and I haven't wrote a single page yet. So I just have to say, <laughs> like, that's that's incredible. You know, when I, when I, when I started writing... I um, I blocked, that's something I learned uh, after the burnout as well, to schedule. So I blocked three um, uh, mornings, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I was so committed because I, I, I know that this will help many people. And I started writing. I cried a lot. I laughed a lot. Um, so this book really helped me deal with certain things. It was also therapy. 
I was a bit confused the first time I cried and I, I reached out to my coach. I was saying, oh my God, I'm crying. What's happening to me? She said, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to cry. I said, thank you for reminding me <laughs> that it's okay to show my emotions, to let it go. And um, yeah, 10 weeks from now, my book is published. I am so proud of my Yes, what a cool accomplishment. And the, the most exciting thing, and you you pointed on this, is it's going to help so many people. Because, you know, like we said, we don't touch on all the pieces that go into this, all the emotions, the all the pieces of the journey, the ups, the downs, all the things in between. So like you said, that's the important piece. It's going to help so many people. And then Ashley, you're releasing one like right on the tail of that, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, my book is going to be just a combination of the love of my two favorite men, my dad and my husband. And it's going to cover everything from grief, loss, you know, um, because when you lose someone, you lose a piece of yourself, too. So um, just finding your purpose in life. and just uh, finding it and walking it out. So my book is called Lost Travel Found, Turning Pain into Purpose. Because out of my pain, the phoenix rose and I found my purpose. And people are going to go on a, on a trip. Like that travel part is not just like literal travel, but people are going to go on a trip on this book. Uh, just the different waves of emotions, sadness, happiness, anger, uh, all the things that come with being lost, losing someone, and then gaining your, your purpose in life. And I'm, I'm very excited. There's so many things that um, I wasn't able to share about my father and, and my husband, especially my husband with you know, my caregiver journey um, on the podcast. So definitely I'd encourage any listeners uh, to, to get Miriam and I's books. Uh, we are like, like I told you earlier, Christy, we're the two for one special. So uh, we are um, going to be launching like one week after another. So uh, Miriam's launching uh, June 10th. And I'll be launching June 18th, which is Father's Day weekend. So I'm taking my cap off to my daddy that weekend. Um, this, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to read your book. I want a signed copy. Signed by. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of emotions, like Miriam said, that go into writing a book. So, And your, and your words are so important. Don't ever think for a minute that your story shouldn't be told. Everyone has a story and it should be told because you never know who it's going to help. Miriam and I have done enough work so far and knowing that we are helping other caregivers. And I just think this book is going to take it even to the next level. I could, I couldn't agree with both of you more. Um, I see you two as like this dynamic duo that's coming in and just um, 
but just bringing awareness to how important this is as caregivers, because you're, you're representing, you're representing a voice that I feel like we don't hear from. We don't hear that, you know, a caregiver from a caregiver's voice. We don't um, hear uh, us advocating for caregivers and self-care. And like you said, a lot of time it's, it's focused on the patient because, you know, we're trying to get that person well, get that person the treatments they need, get that person just, you know, the, the essentials that they need. So we don't talk about the caregiver and their journey. So I just, I can't even stress how many times I've said this on this uh, podcast, how important this is. And um, I love that you said too, obviously we, there's so many pieces of your story that we could dive into, but I, I love that you said that like, we check out the book check out the book so we could dive deeper into seeing that. Um, so what I would love to know is where you could find each of you online. If somebody wanted to come and connect with you on social media or come and see what you guys are up to. Um, my website, you can find me via www.miriambaldelaine.com. And you can schedule a free call, a free 15-minute call with me um, so I can see if we are a fit and if, if I can help you, um, which I, I, I do have the pleasure and the privilege because I pulled myself out of the darkness. So that's the website. I'm on Instagram, Miriam Baldwin. I'm on Facebook, Hello, Miriam. Uh, Clubhouse, Ashley and I, run a chat room together with two other fellow caregivers. So we are on Clubhouse as well, Miriam Baldwin and Ashley is Timeless Dream, I think. Um, LinkedIn, Miriam Baldwin. So you can find me everywhere <laughs> on Twitter, Miriam Baldwin. And um, the last thing I wanna say is that um, it is time to own your well-being. If you're a caregiver or not, it is so important. We only live once. Fill your cup so you can serve others from your own overflow. So good, so good. Ashley, where are we able to find you at? Yes, definitely. And I, I love to go after Miriam with this. So. Once you have gone through Miriam's caregiver 2.0 uh, process and you are a brand new caregiver, you can come celebrate with me at Timeless Dream Events. <laughs> and you can find me at www.timelessdreamevents.com. I also have a freebie on there. So if you need a 10 item list to treat yourself it's on there so sign up for that and also anybody that signs up for that freebie will be entered into uh, my newsletter email newsletter list and you'll be able to get first dibs on the book as well and more information that's coming down the pipeline with that and you can find me on instagram facebook at timeless dream events uh, YouTube, Timeless Dream Events, LinkedIn is under Ashley Jackson, and oh my goodness, uh, Miriam mentioned Clubhouse ti at Timeless Dream, 
I mean, we are almost anywhere and everywhere. Uh, <laughs> pretty hard to miss us. But yeah, definitely. I do have a Facebook caregiver uh, group as well. And it's called Caring for the Caregiver. Treat yourself. So all the Parks and Rec fans, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can definitely find us there. And I have started uh, wanting to end my talks on podcasts with one of my dad's favorite quotes. And the one thing about my dad is that he always instilled in, in my brother and I to chase our dreams and never give up hope. And so his favorite quote was, you can either have your butt prints in the couch or your footprints in the sand. Mm. Get up and chase your dreams. Oh, that's good. I'm going to tell my kids that. <laughs> yep. And I'm going to be making t-shirts with that on That's it. awesome. Ooh, <laughs> that's good. That is. Yeah, I'm excited. You know. Ashley has a wonderful self-care box. Oh, see? Yes. It's amazing. Self-care box is amazing. Yes. It's a must-have. Yes. So, um, and because of our books coming out in June, uh, for 4th of July, we'll have our books and a, a t-shirt in it. This, this go around. I do them about every two months. But yeah, so be, it, the next box will be featuring our books. So cool. And so what's in there? Just like uh, different self-care items that people can try. Yeah. So it can range um, depending upon, sometimes I do like the seasons or holidays, uh, but it can range from candle to lotion bars to soap bars, uh, anything that um, like a journal, I did a journal and pen. Uh, with the Love Languages book recently, um, because I think it's so important that you know your how you should receive love so that you can give it too, right? So anything with self-love, it centers around that. Oh, how cool. What a cool idea. I've not heard of something like that. I know. I'm so glad Marianne brought that up. <laughs> yes. She's like, by the way, <laughs> Yeah, we, we do all the things, right? You know, I forget what we do. Sometimes I get like that too. I forgot I did that. We do all the things. I love it. So I just have to thank both of you, Miriam, Ashley, for being on today. Um, it's been incredible getting to talk with both of you, getting to have um, just an open and candid conversation. I thank you for that too, because um, sometimes asking these questions and diving into the emotional part of this or diving into really kind of talking about the nitty gritty stuff can be uncomfortable for people. So just thank you for allowing me to ask some of these harder questions for talking about these harder topics and just being open and honest and with a smile and with humor. And I just, I can't thank you enough both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us and giving us the opportunity to share our stories. If we help one person, we are happy we can help 10, it's even better. <laughs>。Thank you for joining me today for the self project podcast. Come and connect with me over on Instagram at underscore Christy Martin. 
and let me know what your takeaways were and what you want to hear more of. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of these awesome episodes. Leave a review if you love the show and I will see you next time.